Oh, shit. <laughs> Five years ago, I was scandalized and I came here to get out of the media for a month. We've spent a lot of time on yoga mats together. I'm always in the front yeah, row. Yeah, I'm always in class with you, but yeah. you know what I'm saying? But I've been to your class. I went to your class at Radiantly Alive with your girl there, who's mm -hmm. looking. Mm -hmm. And I went to your class at, um, yoga, at um, Ubud, not Ubud Yoga Center. You know it. The you Yoga Bond. I heard your girl fired you from a. No, actually, okay, look, look if you, that's true, right? You fired him, right? She did not fire me. I stepped down. We have, we got so, this is cool, right? Because Russell, Russell, to stay away from his drama, is now putting it on my drama. I took nine lie detector tests. I mean, I was a hoe. I actually, can, absolutely, can you give, I'll give you very quickly. Can you give more context? Um, I think Dr. Fauci's intentions are good. I don't. Just so you know, everybody, I don't. And I respect that you do. I just I want to make no, sure I that think, like, if I I'm on camera, I don't. I took the vaccination. I'm the only one in Ubud. Well, <laughs> <laughs> oh, you fucking hippies. None of you niggas took the vaccine. That's why I sit with your ass. That it just grows. That we can be part of the growth of humankind into a, into a place where we don't destroy the planet and each other. Did I? Yeah, that was fair. Yeah, yeah. I almost feel well, like taking a, a breath in silence just to anchor that in. Oh. You niggas is funny. <laughs> he did this shit in class. Yo, sit down, let's dig into your spiritual ego. Think you're looking fly, white linen kimono, got your yoni egg in. I think you're ready. Yeah, it's time for Ubudan tea. is about the fact that we one. have the founder of yeah. Def Jam Records in the house today. Do we? We do. Oh, that's exciting. It is exciting. I'm super excited. I'm I'm like I'm a fan. I'm a fanboy. Like I, I used to like read his books and and he's produced things not only music related but comedy related mm. and probably much more that I don't even know. It's just it's an exciting time right now to be a host of Boo on Tea. Oh, I'm excited too. Yeah. Also, I'll be serving tea today, Alex. Mm. And today, by the way, welcome to Ubud on Tea. I'm Lawrence J. This is Alex Lambert. This is the best podcast Ubud, Ubud, Ubud has ever mm -hmm. seen. Mm -hmm. Please follow us on Instagram. Please subscribe on YouTube. And please enjoy tea from the Dragon Temple Tea House at Zest. Is this place not beautiful? It is very beautiful. Everything is beautiful. The way you serve tea is beautiful. The table is beautiful. What tea are we drinking? Today we're drinking... A, it's an oolong. There's like a special name for it. It's a dark roasted oolong. Mm. And I spoke to Roman at the top of this uh, right before we started shooting today. Well, that's why it happened. And um, he told me that this is the kind of tea that old men drink. That it's not for young people. It's okay. a little bit deeper. It's a little bit more bitter. Mm. So that's what he said. And people in Ubud would say, yeah, but I'm an old soul. That's true. That's true. So let's actually talk a little bit before we invite him, because yeah. we want to spend as much time with Russell yeah. Simmons sitting beside me as possible. I met Russell first time, actually. He probably doesn't remember this. Um, I was at Astana, and he mm. was in the hot tub. And um, that's it. I met him, and I was like, whoa, that's Russell Simmons. And then mm. I started seeing him at Bikram Yoga, and he even came to my yoga class once. So mm. for me, that's a big effing deal. Interesting. I mean, for me, I've, I've heard about Russell, 
But being French, I'm less, um, it's not like you. I didn't really know him before coming to Ubud, for example. And, but I'm super excited to, to have Russell. Uh, I, I, yeah, people were like, oh yeah, you have Russell, that's amazing. And I was like, yeah, I'm sure. And uh, I'm sure it will be. And also, we'll talk about it. We spoke a, a little bit uh, to Russell about it. There's some people thought, oh, is that controversial? And we can talk about that. But so I, I don't really know Russell, but I'm super excited. And we've spoken a little bit before the show, and I'm even more excited. Now. Yeah, yeah. I'm just going to bring him on. Yeah, let's that's do it. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, the founder of Def Jam Records, and also somebody who's taken yoga, spirituality, and brought it to urban culture. Can we call you? Can we say that? You can say whatever yeah. you like. And mm. also, by the way, I'm going to quote. I got it. Was tea for old people? This is, yeah, like, why would you that's, say that? That's us, that's us. Hold on, before, before no, you did that because of me? No, because of no, me. No, because oh. he's a very but, old soul. Yeah, well, I'm like an old person, so I felt a little bit like, targeted. <laughs> Look, I don't think I'm going to get so a chance. ages kind of thing that they did to me just now. I've, I've, I've had people saying you look younger and younger. Well, you know, I'm older and older. <laughs> I'm pretty old. Yeah. I'm going to quote Jay-Z. And Jay-Z, in one of his songs, says, actually in one of his most famous songs with Alicia Keys, he says, I made, I will make a Yankee cap more famous than a Yankee can. What are you wearing right now? A Yankee cap. Ooh. Are you a Yankee fan? Because every time I see that you- That song, he said, um, catch me like a Simmons in the kitchen cooking pastry. Oh, he's that, talking about you. No, he's talking about my nieces. We have a company that I, was the, the Simmons daughters, Angela and Vanessa had a, a company that was part of Fat Farm and pastry were women's sneakers. So when he said that, the sneaker company went from 20 million to 60 million that year because on that song, he said what he said. They knew shit, right? Mm -hmm. something new. Mm -hmm. And kitchen, the like kitchen in the mm. uh, Simmons in the kitchen. Also, kitchen cooking refers to crack, but he meant pastry like the sneakers. He's so good. That was, so it meant a lot of things, but it really was Simmons, kitchen, <laughs> pastry, pastry sneakers. Anyway. He's so good. Do you know that, actually, have you worked with Jay-Z? I signed Jay-Z, Nick. So you you... That he was on Death <laughs> I know. I signed Rockefeller. But, but what does it mean to work with, like, to sign him and work with him? Because that guy doesn't, as far as I know, he doesn't even write down his rhymes. He, like, oh, I didn't up... produce anything for him, no. So how much I put time... out, his first record was on the Nutty Professor's soundtrack. Because I produced the movie Nutty Professor. With Eddie Murphy. Yes, and I made the soundtrack. And he, the song, <clears throat> Ain't No Nigga Like The One I Got, was Foxy Brown and Jay-Z. And when I first heard it, I was like, who the fuck is she? Because she was amazing. Uh -huh. And he was great, but he was like a Brooklyn Queens rapper. And he was great on the record. But I had heard something similar. I never heard anything like Foxy Brown. So that record went on a Nutty Professor soundtrack. And that was his first hit. And then we signed him to Def Jam and Foxy Brown. Anyway, eventually, they made Rockefeller Records which was a Def Jam distributed company. Anyway, let's start with your questions. Ask me shit. Well, well you're in Ubud right now. You're sitting in the Dragon Temple Tea House, one of the sexiest, smoothest places in Ubud. And I never sat up here, but I've been here in the audience before. What events have you been Mo to? I've been to tea parties with, you know, with Faye and with Kamau, the hip hop tea events mm. that we have here. We've had Kamau on the show. Like, oh, you have had Kamau. That's the mayor of Ubud, right? <laughs> I told him, I said, you know, um, I like it here. You know, I think I want to move here and live here. This was after I'd been back like four times. 
I, I said, but you know, I need to find more stuff. I ended up buying into a talent agency, which is all over Asia and also in America now, because I opened an office in America. And I, and I wanted to do these things, and so I built all these companies. I'm building a hotel, you know, I'm finishing it. But I said, I want to find something to do. I want to find more work, because I love living here, but I, you know, I'm always motivated to do more work. He said, well, if you want to work, why you move to Ubud? That's <laughs> 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 the most honest question. I said, can't you work from here? I mean, of course, we have digital. We can work from anywhere. But it was the greatest answer, like, you want to work? Why would you move here? <laughs> so apparently, Kamal don't do a lot of work. He's a DJ. I mean, he's and a, he's a poet. Yeah, he's an artist. And like an artist, a lot of artists live in. You know, it's minimal work if you just want to survive here. A lot of people can do less, um, but it inspires me to do more. I do think that Kamau asked a really good question, and since you brought it up, it's a good segue. What are you doing in Ubud? Oh shit! <laughs> Five years ago, I was scandalized, and I came here to get out of the media for a month. And um. Then I went back home, I came back, about the fifth, sixth time I said, you know, I might want to live here. And then I started building, you know, my house. And then when my house was finished, I moved in and I was like, oh shit. So I have to go back. I just got back from America just now, from New York and LA. And um, I go back quite often, but I like to consider this my home. This so do we. Dope. So do we. Agreed. Yeah, I know you. Let me see you around. I know this nigga. I've been in your class more than once. I heard your intro. Have you? Yes. All right. I remember one time for sure. We've spent a lot of time on yoga mats together. I'm always in the front yeah, row. Yeah, I'm always in class with you. But yeah. you know what I'm saying, but I've been to your class. I went to your class at Radiantly Alive with your girl there, good looking. Mm -hmm. And I went to your class at um, yoga, um, Ubud, not Ubud Yoga Center. You know it. The you Yoga Bond. Yes, Yoga Bond. You've yes. to my class. I've been to two classes of yours. Yeah. There should be more. I heard your girl fired you from a... No, actually, okay, look, look if we... That's if you, true, right? You fired him, right? She did not fire me. I stepped down. We ha we got so... This is cool, right? I want to know Russell, why you stepped down. Russell, to stay away from his drama, is now putting it on my drama. <laughs> well, no, I didn't, I didn't stay away. I went home and, you know, after one month and the media calmed down and after a couple of months, it was like, you know, nobody really gives a fuck about the scandal, although they should, but they really didn't, so... America was great, but I kept coming back here and like falling in love with, like I'm 150 years old. I don't need to be, I used to be in the, on the news twice, three times a week. You know, I was occupying Wall Street and I was an activist for so many causes, so many. Um, <clears throat> I still, you know, I tweet about shit, but I used to actually show up and host rallies and do legislation work and all that stuff and lobby and, but you know, uh, find other ways to serve. I think consciousness, uh, we're lacking in, you know, and I, I see the left and the right and the, the, um, the polarization. And for me, you know, I don't think that we shouldn't be activists. In fact, I think even as a yogi, you should show up, you know, as much as you can. But when I got scandalized also, I lost, so I had five charities. One of them was a, you know, a couple of them operated around the world. So, I mean, I may go back to work for some of them. But, but for now, I'm here. And I'm here, and I'm, and I'm building a hotel, which is finishing in a month. And it's a modern health technology hotel, but it's really a school for yogic science. That was its first intention. And then I kept building it and building it. Next thing, it was a five-star hotel. So to come for 30 days for teacher training might be expensive for some. And um, so we still have all the showers. We still intend to teach teachers how to teach people not to suffer, teach training. 
But we also um, have built you know, the, the other dream, which was the modern technology and health resort. We, have, we grow all the herbs that you need. We have Ayurvedic doctors. We have naturopathic doctors. Mm -hmm. And we have support systems like when you come and you, you start to reboot your life, right? I mean, a lot of Americans, you don't call it rehab, but you go to cryotherapy a few times and you do certain things and, and the, the opioid is not so big a problem, right? So you clean yourself up, reboot your life, or optimize, you know, which would be a lot of that. That's called GDAS, G-D-A-S, um, named by my good friend who died. And I'll tell you a quick story because I think it's worth telling. My dear friend who came here, who was, I used to manage him when he was a kid, and he was a rapper, and the group was Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, before you were born, son. And <laughs> Jekyll and Hyde, the lead rapper, was Andre Harrell. And Andre started up there. He worked for me at Def Jam, mm. and he brought me this rapper named Heavy D. Might have heard of him. He checked yes. out too. But Heavy D, they had a song called Mr. Big Stuff. And Def Jam was very loud. Public Enemy, Run DMC was like, our, our banner acts were really aggressive, loud, almost punk rock. And then here comes Heavy D singing Mr. Big Stuff. I'm like, you gotta get the fuck out of here. And he went and started a company. And his whole company, reinvigorated R&D, it was called Uptown Records. He went on to sign Mary J. Blige, and he went on to sign Puffy, and he went on to sign all these things, he created this company. Anyway, Andre came here, and we hung out. And he went back, and like 25 or 30 of my other friends, he died of COVID. People my age, their diet killed him, but COVID attacked. The COVID killed him, but their diet allowed it to happen. Mm. And so, um, they even wrote a book about it, I'll tell you. But, the, the diet, you said. Oh, yeah, I've written a couple of One vegan book, which is out, which is called uh, Happy Vegan. Mm. But the other one, uh, Eat to Live a Post-Pandemic Lifestyle. It was mm. inspired by the passing of Andre Harrell. So uh, that's a really recent one. Yes, very recent. Okay. I didn't put the book out yet. Okay. I'm actually taking out a lot of the COVID fear. Sorry, uh, in your pocket, it's... Making noise? Yeah. Wait, can you still hear me now? Yeah, I'm just going to put it out. So can you leave this in the podcast? Because the story is good. I may not say it again properly. So, sorry, guys. Yeah, how was it? Can you keep him in there? <laughs> if yeah. he on the show? Yeah, yeah, now he is. Ladies and gentlemen, yeah, this is actually, Claudio. Or no, what up, Claudio? <laughs> what up, dude? What up? <laughs> and was it, was it okay, or do we need to repeat yeah, the story? It was fine. Okay. The story was about Andre, who passed away, um, and he named it GDAS. Yeah. Because I said, you know, I was in the forest meditating. You know, niggas in America don't want to hear this shit. I was meditating in the forest, and... Krishna came to me and gave me a name, Govinda Dasananda, God's blissful servant. Are you fucking crazy? I'll call you Gdas. So Gdas <laughs> is the name of the hotel. Um, Govinda Das, you know, God's servant. Mm. But um, anyway, that's how I got named because he said, I'm not going to call you Govinda Dasananda. No one's going to call me that, but it's my name. Sometimes when I meditate or when I think of, you know, Remind, you know, yoga is a practice of remembering to remember, mm. right? The studies of scripture and the, the highest self is elusive, but you forget and then you remember, and then maybe you make the mm. right choice because you remember God. So the idea of remembering to remember. So anyway, the name of the, the uh, hotel is GDAS, and it's, it's completing right mm. now. And I, actually, one thing I'm, I'm really interested in having you here is how did you... Um, get into yoga and you talked about being vegan 
because that's not something very ingrained in the culture you're from being uh, producing the well, yeah, let me the tell rappers. you how it changed first yes uh, as a Jeevan Mukti student um, Sharon and David from Jeevan Mukti who are amongst my gur gurus is that the Union Square studio it, yes uh, yeah you know that one yeah so Sharon and David who their practice is taught around the world Jeevan Mukti they were very, very strict animal rights people. But even how, how did you personally get into it from I'm where saying you these niggas, they were 25 years ago and yeah. practicing or longer, practicing at Jeeva Mukti. Mm -hmm. They, you know, mostly for um, the, the, the suffering of animals, they ingrained in me that I didn't want to participate. Mm. So uh, they were compassionate yogis. And, and, and I don't think that anybody really understands the true effect of eating animals. Mm. If they really digested it, I mean, mm. the idea, the suffering of, you know, born into suffering, 200 billion animals, mm. uh, the structure of the planet. Mm. And did you meet the with cancer and, and the, the structure of the human, you know, mm. uh, there's no good reason to eat animals, right? There's mostly, you know, very bad reasons. And when you really internalize it, you do not eat them. Are you, you eat animals? No. Um... I've made um, kind of little exceptions, it. but I'm mainly. I'm, we're actually we're actually both mainly fruitarians now. Fruitarian. Yeah. Basically, I mean, I would never use a label to describe me. Yeah. But if you want to know what I eat mostly, fruit. Okay, with your girl. No, she's different than me. She'll actually eat meat sometimes. <gasps> I've seen it. She didn't want you to say that. She I'm like, sorry, this is not <laughs> caught. Fuck, why'd you say that? Like, right? Leave that in the show. Okay, yeah. I gotta leave that in the show. I'm yeah, here. Yeah, yeah. But rarely, but like, you know, anyhow. Well, sometimes you might. I actually, I, when I speak to when I speak to Jasmine, I'm like, and and I'm like, please, like, let's just get down to fruit and let's just go that. Like, I want to live that lifestyle. And sometimes it creates a little bit of tension between. You wait till the fruit. But then we have makeup. Fall off the tree. Sorry. The tree. Does the fruit fall off the tree? Yeah. Oh, you really don't cause no suffering. You well, bad motherfucker. Good for you. Well, that's new. That's new. All right. Well, it's good for you. a year old like that. He is a long time. Yeah. Anyway, we're not saying we're all right, but we actually, the three of us, pretty much on the same page in this. Yeah, we know that there's a lot of suffering involved in yeah. eating animals, and we try not to. I cheat and eat fish. I wrote that, and they got people got, so not a lot, but you know, I, every so often, right? Like, the, they have this knock-knock here. Knock-knock? Right. And it's the dopest shit in the planet. They shake it up, it's a spice. <laughs> So every so often I'll eat that, and, it, and I wrote it in my book. You know, one of my I wrote, you know, one book, The Happy Vegan. All my books are the same. They're different names. You know, I mean, one leans more heavily on meditation. One leans more heavily on diet. One leans more heavily on prosperity and the higher self. So they all the names uh, are about what their greatest gift is. But there's always the eight limbs of yoga. There's always the things that I think uh, are part of a, a proper. Or the uh, yogic lifestyle. It's in every book. So, anyway, you have more questions. Let's, let's deal with because you want to know about. You said you want to know about Jay Z and Dave Chappelle and. Really, what I want to know, like I grew up watching Curtis uh, Blow. Okay, you know, do you Curtis know Blow? I don't know Curtis Blow. I'm sorry. Look, I can't. I'm, I'm a white Jewish boy from the suburbs of Toronto. Like I don't give a fuck what the white Jewish boy got to do with Curtis Blow. The first place he played was Toronto. Second place was Amsterdam. Christmas rap with Russian with Russian born parents. Like it took me a while to get and find my own path. Crisscross was the first concert I ever saw. Jesus. Yeah. Okay. Jump, jump. You know, you should know better. Crisscross and having anything to. Yeah. 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 You know, you probably signed them or something. They were with uh, Dupree, Jermaine Dupree. Jermaine, yeah. Yeah. So so deaf. 
what I, what I want to, what I really want to know is like, what, how do you create this life where you create Def Jam records, Def Comedy, like, like all the stuff that was in my like instrumental years. So like, as I was a teenager, you created all that stuff, or you were at least like, you, you put it together, produced it. You hung out and signed Kanye West, Jay-Z, Dave Chappelle, who is like the most monumental and relevant comedian of our era today. How does that happen? Like, how does a human being create something that is so Just effective? being in the right place, being lucky, you know. Um, and also, like, my daughter, today I was celebrating her. I wrote something on Instagram about her. She walked in 10 fashion shows. Big deal for her. She's 19, finishing Harvard. She's brilliant. But, you know, Ming Lee works for her mother, designs baby fat. They bought back the company, so Ming is designing. Ming's finishing NYU. She doesn't, she's a different girl. But Yoki has something, you know, and I, she had her first experience. I told Ming about the experience. Yoki, no one wanted her to be a model. You're finishing Harvard. Your mother's a model, but you don't gotta do that shit. Your mother didn't wreck, no one wanted to support her. So uh, my friend got her an agency because the agency she had dropped her. Uh, she was just getting like social media shit, like Walmart paid a bunch of money to post up because they have millions of followers, these kids, because they're kind of famous. But to be a model, right? This tall, skinny girl walking on the runway like that. Why you wanna do that? She wanted to do it. And she's been in the media a lot talking about how the Harvard professors don't accept it, that she went to model, but anybody else can go to their job. They don't accept it as a real job. Mm. Or she's got these other things that she's been discussing publicly that have been national media. But I'm proud of the fact that even though she is rejected, and even though it was a difficult path, and she went to Fashion Week two seasons in a row and didn't get a single show, and then she got a few shows. And now this time she's got 10 shows and lots of media and of course, you know, next time she can walk as many shows as she wants. But the resilience, you know, I always talked, I made them read my books, you know, hard work, dedication, resilience, and faith. Kriya, yoga. This, you know, if Yoga Dhamma said the imagination was God, you, for us as, as yogis, practicing yogis, we need hard work, dedication, resilience, and faith. The, the true enlightened being, they imagine the world different, and it, it's a miracle. But for us, no miracles. We work. Yoki worked her ass off and delivered on something no one believed she could deliver on. And now everybody's praising her. Now everybody understands that she's, you know, and she did it on her own. I'm very proud of her. I don't know why the fuck you talk to Something on my mind. <laughs> Who's Yoki? Yoki is one of my daughters. That's right. Yoki Lee Simmons. Okay, okay. <laughs> As I'm listening to you talk about yoga, I also, I just like, I've been teaching now for 16 years. I've been lucky enough to have a career that is... You're only 16. How the fuck old are you? It's just somehow it happened. I'm actually 43, but let's, let's focus on this question because this is a big one for Your me. Your boy toy is 43? <laughs> so, so, as I was like a young yoga teacher, and it still continues now, I think I've matured and, and what have you, but what I always struggled with as a yogi was finding male role models especially with all the women that were surrounding me, like the women students mm. who were in Lululemons, especially in this like modern Western yoga world. And then the, the, my, my, um, like the teachers. So everybody was a woman and there was a few men. And every time I went to them for some kind of advice in terms of how do I deal with all this <clears throat> attention from women, I was like, 
nobody gave me answers that made sense. You yourself are like world famous, a lot of feminine attention, and on top of that, you've worked with the biggest stars in the world. Is there a guru? Is there some kind of like advice? Is there something that you, you know, can speak to? I had, you know, I've been through a scandal, and a lot of my friends did. And if you think about all gurus, you know, like Elijah Muhammad for me, I mean, you probably don't follow the black Muslims, but Louis Farrakhan, Malcolm mm -hmm. X, you know, Elijah Muhammad, terrible scandal, right? Mm -hmm. Sexual scandal. Sachi Sandananda, the same. You might not know it, it's not in his book, but Paramahansa Yogananda, the same. Mm -hmm. Then my close mentors, Ben Chavis, very famous civil rights activist in America, maybe the most uh, accomplished civil rights activist who was my mentor in all the civil rights work we did. We did a lot of civil rights work. Mm. We got tens of thousands of people out of jail. We changed laws. We did. So Ben and I worked together very closely. He's now the head of the Black Newspaper Association. But anyway, and Steve Ross, um, who came here with me, you yes, know, also. And then you think about all the male yoga teachers who had your job. They were doing a story and they had every single famous uh, male yoga teacher in the story. Mm. They didn't, it canceled the story last minute, but they were all in it. You know, all of the guys you know, every single one of them, you know. Um, so you not take, the, you know, you see me images of these male yoga teachers and, you know, all these MILFs, right? So they, right? So. That, that was kind of like the male yoga teacher, just like the fashion photographer, if they were straight. It's a sad reality, you know, but we don't talk about it, but it's, it's, our, it's their reality. The next generation is a lot more conscious and aware. What do you mean by it was a sad reality? Speaking to what? Well, because it just, you know, think about any other guy. They're not my mentors, but uh, a Bikram, or yep. think about uh, um, Paramount. John Paramount. Friend? Oh, yeah, of course, but then also think about um, you know, Astanga, Tabby Joyce, yeah. all of them have had scandal, Yeah, mm -hmm. all of them, because this is the previous generation, right? And moving into this new one, we have people like you who are conscious and aware and careful, almost, you know, to the point where, you know, it's, it's shifted, it'll shift back to a balance, but the world has changed so much for the better. And there's this eminent rise of the divine feminine that is necessary. And some of the, you know, collateral damage I consider a lot of people collateral damage. And some of the hurtful things that have happened um, are just, the, again, the collateral damage for this great new um, rise of this divine feminine in our culture. Because if it does not happen, if women are not placed in leadership roles, in, in, and I don't mean women who are holding baseball bats so they can win election and proving how masculine they are. Mm. I mean, people who are thoughtful Men, too, who are in their feminine, who are thoughtful, compassionate, well, um, true, true leadership, loving, which is serving. and, and service-oriented. This is a quality of the divine feminine that is not in our leadership. So toxic masculinity is a big part of our leadership. And they could either blow the world up, they could be greedy and continue to exploit it until it's uninhabitable. They could, a lot of things without another energy to save the planet. So the, whether it be Me Too or whether it be any of the movements, you know, it, it, it washes out as a newer and better uh, world. And we need to really keep pushing to find ways to include the feminine energy in us and around us. It's a very important mm. and critical part of our future in all, every country, everywhere. Here, the women are suppressed. We also have to be more inclusive people in mm. general. I mean. 
there's no place on this planet where dark people aren't um, exploited. Here, the billboards, you see every Indonesian on the billboard is white, but all the people are brown. And then you see that every product in the store has whitener. Um, the Dutch did a number on the psyche of the people here. So white supremacy is all over the world at this moment. And it, you know, it's, it's hopefully changing some. Because if not, if we're not more inclusive of our women and of people of color and, and inclusive in general, then yeah, one, we could destroy our planet, and two, we just would continue to nosedive mm. as we have been in so many ways. So I, I, I get that. I'm also feeling like my question was more like, you're like, I'm a, I'm a guy, a young man. You're a conscious man. Your well, man is conscious. And, 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 as, and, and I knew how guy. But I also knew how difficult, like it was an obvious thing for me, how difficult it was for me to like keep my head on straight and not give in to the seduction or just like this like, oh my God, like all this attention. And I, like, I was very careful and conscious of that as a teacher when I opened Tantris, but that was like 2015. It wasn't 10 years before that or 15 years or 20 years before that. I had read stories even about my Jiva Mukti hero, like, you know, so many. Um, David, people, you mean? Well, not David so much as, uh, as um, Dacian. Okay. Um, That's Thurman. Thurman. Yeah, yeah. He had been through so much stuff. Ooh, my and, Thurman's brother. Yes. And Ruth and all of the teachers had been through also scandal right so i as i went into opening my studio i said i would be careful and conscious mm. of how i interacted with students you know well, but that was like you said that was that that was um a new beginning and ushering mm. in a new mindset you know so i you know i kind of think for people like imagine we're talking about apartheid now with the passing of the queen so how if they killed a hundred million Africans, can we celebrate? How if she ushered in apartheid, can we, you know, can we mourn her properly? Mourn any passing of any human being. So, but people who came out of apartheid, I'm friends with the Oppenheimer family, I'm friends with Johann Rupert. You know, I, you know, I have this diamond empowerment fund I started in Africa. So I see these people, but they had slaves. And when slavery ended, they said, oh, no more slaves, okay. There's no critique of their past behavior. Unconscious behavior needs to be changed more than it does need to be judged so heavily. Right? We don't want to, what do we do? The queen, Snoop's like, the queen let me stay in the country when they're throwing me out. But that's the new queen. You know, she's evolved. And so is Johann Rupert. He took me to, I met Mandela through Johann Rupert. But his house, you know, the, the fruits of having been um, an apartheid still exist. I was thinking about the driveway, like drive for like an hour fucking from his gate to his house in South Africa. Not an hour, a long time. <laughs> so, you know, they still have the fruits of the queen and England still has the fruits of having abused so many people of color all over the world. You know, trillions that they've stolen and the African continent is, is uh, destroyed. Wherever there's any, anything good in Africa has been taken. And any place where they had good stuff, the people are even poorer than the place where they had less good stuff. Right? They had good stuff. The shit under the ground and make cell phones, then you're going to starve. Mm. Find diamonds in your country, you're going to starve. And where do we so go? They take all the stuff and then people starve. 
where do we go from there in a, in a productive fashion? As you said, we don't want to especially blame people. So exactly. how, how do we make it right we, now? We, you know, we keep shifting and growing. And remember to remember what's taught to us in scripture and try to act accordingly. You know, there's a lot of unconscious behavior that seem to be normal and that we know better. Seems like you would know that slavery was wrong, right? Seems like you would know a lot of the things that, that people participated was wrong. But the new beginnings are, you know, are always, you know, available. And so, um, look, there's a black woman now who's at the funeral, queen, whatever her title, princess. What is, what is she? Um, you mean the princess? Yeah, yeah. Oh, um, yeah, yeah. Henry, Harry's wife, the girl. Yeah. I do not know her name. I know her. I'm not like, no my man used yeah. to go date her and shit. Like, I know her. Uh, it'll come, and I hope it doesn't. Good that I said that, right? <laughs> no, I'm glad that you said it. But, like, I mean, she's, she's half, right? She's not. Ain't nobody half. Nothing. All light-skinned niggas, we, uh, some slave owner fucked our parents, grandparents. I know half. I'm, I'm black. You know what my passport said? Nigger. I mean, I'm sorry, African-American. Kamau would say, we had Kamau on. There's no he, half people. Kamau asked me to refer to it as African descent. That's good. Kamau's politically correct. He's a good man. <laughs> good man. Politically correct, too. And also very thoughtful and conscious. Mm -hmm. But no, but we're all black. There's no half. You have to, you know, they still gonna call you a nigga if that's what they, that's, if that's their urge. They're still gonna, I don't, nobody's pure or anything, right? And we're all merging, we're all becoming one. You know, we're all gonna look like the images you see of Jesus, the proper images, the brown, woolly hair. They all gonna look like that. Um, but in the short term, we have to recognize that there's, uh, there's nobody half. And half is kind of a, a cop out for people who've been still, you know, I'm sorry. Yeah, Russell, as you were bringing the, the ethics and the masculine and the feminine, there's something, um, and we can spend a very little bit of time on it, but I feel we need to talk about, as we have you on the show, which is when I said you'd be on the show, some people talked about, oh, there's a lot of controversy. Oh, yeah. yeah. And, and I came I, here because of the, uh, I was scandalized early on in the Me Too movement. And I, um, I came here just to get out of the media. So I went back a month later and I kept mm -hmm. coming back. So anyway. Um, I took nine lie detector tests. I mean, I was a hoe. Mm. I actually, can, absolutely, can you give, I'll give it very quickly. Can you give more context about what it is? Well, they're talking about people have made accusations, 30, 40 year old accusations yeah. about my past. And again, we talk about the past. You know, I lived in the rock and roll business and people can reimagine old stories. And if you're depressed and you spend hundreds of thousands of dollars digging, you can find a story about any rock star, anybody, as many as you want. I was the most famous person in that, in that um, um, controversy when all these people were being, and I must have a hundred friends who've been through this. And so it was a, a moment where stories that I didn't recognize as true uh, came out. Uh, journalists were chasing these stories down, even putting words in the mouths of people. Mm. Um, but, you know, I don't consider myself to be even a little bit of a, uh, an angel. I know that, you know, I was a, a absolutely uh, toxic, masculine figure. Back then, we could just simply say playboy. We could simply say, you know, uh, I mean, a playboy in those days, a Casanova type, uh, a womanizer is a word, womanizer. Mm. So, you know, if you think about all the people, the numbers, sheer numbers, there were some 
uh, miscalculations, and there's some people who have a different recollection. And, um, and I went through a tremendous amount of scrutiny. I never spoke to any police or been in any court or anything like that, but it was a very bad time and the stories were written. But there's a hundred black newspapers who have done research, including the most powerful black newspaper in the history of America. And there are stories that are written but never made the mainstream. I have no interest in getting in the mud. I promised my daughter I wouldn't. You know, like I said, I took nine separate lie detector tests by the two top polygraph people in America. You know, um, I did that on my own. No one asked me to do it. So, you know, it is what it is behind me. It's a scar. And it cost uh, a lot of my charities, a lot of money, and a lot of people, a lot of jobs. Mm. And it redirected my energy. And I came here because of it. Mm. And so God redirected my energy. I built a whole bunch of new companies and new ideas and things that suit me more. A lot of the things that I was running, Foundation for Ethnic Understanding, the Diamond Empowerment Fund, uh, the Rush Foundation, the, and all these charities. So there's the thing that I think I miss, and I'm rebuilding them, lots of charities anyway. But, you know, the businesses, yeah, I, but I lost them. I lost them because at the moment, those stories became big. Mm. But if you would look at the stories of Justin Bieber or Joe Biden or so many others, they just weren't as relevant because the timing of those stories, it wasn't as sensational to tell those stories. Mm. So it was what it was. And it was also a great learning experience for me because, again, I accept uh, and I, you know, responsibility for having been such a hoe and such an insensitive person and so forth. And, you know, I never really, you know, got anything but uh, the, the scandal itself. And that hurt, it hurt my heart, but it also made me look inside and look at this moment in history and what good is coming out of it. So if I get a little dirt on my shoulder so my daughters can, um, can live a better world, uh, the collateral damage that I referred to earlier is, mm. is necessary and it's okay. You know, celebrities are made to be like examples often for what people are thinking. Why it's so interesting about a story about Kim Kardashian is because there's something about you relate to. Shouldn't we have gotten, you know, I didn't want to have a woman pouring the tea. <laughs> but I was thinking Faye, the tea lady, would have been great here. She's my first but I didn't day. want no sexy <laughs> shit. I didn't want to look crazy. Three dudes and a woman pouring the tea. Although, you know. We're aware of all this. The stuff. world's shifting. We don't be, but this nigga, you pouring tea. I knew you were gonna fuck up. I knew it. <laughs> Do we have any more now? Yes, we have, we got lots. This shit makes me a little high. I, I feel like I should be on Drink Champs, the hip hop show. Actually, what I'd like to do because this tea got me high. Because I don't, I don't smoke weed and I don't drink alcohol. <laughs> but Drink Champs, you know the show Drink Champs. Yeah. It's a podcast. You know it, right? Yeah. Good thing somebody does. So um, something that we do here every now and then. Y'all don't know shit, by the way. This this guy don't know nothing about hip hop. No, I had offices in France. We had Warren G. Public Enemy. We had concerts in France all the time. Nigga, where were you? Bro, I don't know. When you were a kid. Whatever's going I on. Whisper me in my mother's womb. Probably, but Public Enemy, you in your mother's womb. <laughs> When's oh Public God, Enemy? True. You don't even know Public Enemy. <laughs> I, I know by now. I mean, I obviously know Jay Z and Kanye West and. That's yesterday. Them. I'm talking about Public Enemy. I know the name, but I've never listened to them. I'm black and I'm proud. I'm hype and I'm amped. Most of my heroes don't appear on no stamp. Yo. This guy is... <laughs> this guy, by the way... Would you, would you produce me? I would not. <laughs> Wait, what else? 
<laughs> now you want to what else? By the way, this guy is known around Ubud as MC French Fry. Like he's actually been satired because he's done some. He has to rap in yeah. the town. He's literally known as it's, one of. Yeah, one thing I would not consider Ubud the center of hip hop. I actually thought that being your friend was going to give me a chance to have my own record deal. That didn't happen. I still have a record company. I got a bunch of new companies, that, but I'm not in the record business. I'm not interested. Lawrence, Lawrence doing some. I freestyle. Yeah, yeah, Do you freestyle? freestyle? No. You don't do any rap. You just knew like to put it off on somebody who can. Yeah. My brother. Who's what? your brother? These niggas don't know me. My, job, my brother's Run from Run DMC. Look at me. I look like Run. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They did that Aerosmith Once again, collab, right? Down the road, they did. Once again, my friend, not a trend, but then they said rap was crap and perhaps it's been. Mm-hmm. Then the ruler came with a cooler name. Anyway, you don't know Run DMC. And you either, right? We, we, no, but I want to say, forget about Jay-Z, forget about all these rappers. Ubud's taking over, bro. Lawrence and I were the new rappers in town. <laughs> Look at the camera when you do that, at least. Why are you doing this, though? Yeah. <laughs> I you have a contract I, You know, I haven't done any shows. I've turned down all the shows, even from Drink Champs or Giant. But Joe Rogan, I'm fucking with you niggas. Did Joe Rogan really want you on the show? Yeah. So you turned on Joe Rogan. And not, you're here. not for you, but I turned on <laughs> I didn't want to do that. really, you know, I mean, I got so much I'm building and I don't need to be, you know, in this toxic world. I didn't necessarily need to be. I was Unless I was going to do a lot of po- politics again and use my influence in that way. Or, you know, to just talk about consciousness and lifting people and shifting um, Whatever I can do to help shift the planet, you know, in the right direction, little things. That's that's for me for now. Mm. But at some point, maybe I'll, you know. Well, actually, if we go, let's go into it. I'm super interested, especially coming from the culture you're coming from. Like, how do you feel your influence has been on uh, getting people towards yoga, towards veganism, through your book, through the centers? Like, well, I was a vegan. Like, I don't know if you realize it. African Americans are three times more likely to be vegan than their white counterparts. Why is that? Really? Because they have they're also three times more likely to have diabetes and heart disease okay. and the rest of these other mm-hmm. things. So but because their culture from West Indians and plus we were very instrumental early in promoting to them mm. this idea. You know, I've been a vegan for at least twenty five years, probably longer. And I've been promoting a, a vegan lifestyle and not only from a compassion standpoint, obviously from a health standpoint and where people are suffering uh it's surprised to know that they, they made these choices so that's you know i think that's something we're very proud of those who have influence uh, you know jermaine dupree a bunch of people followed me early and they got big mouths and you see kevin hart's opening all these vegan restaurants and snoop dogs helped us with beyond meat i was a big helpful nice. for my friend ethan and building beyond meat and just these kind of um benches um, there's a company called Pharmacy for Life. They're also very into herbal medicine. African-Americans, way more than everyone else. Um, if you go, like, if you do Instagram, you look at Pharmacy for Life with an F. And they're doing a huge amount. Jadakiss and Styles P. They had a company called Juice for Life, and then they started to make these vitamins, and they were, you know, herbal um, remedies and support systems. And it's just an example of what is in the black community uh, regarding health. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, it just is... There's deterioration and there's horrible food. There's people who run the other way because of it. Mm. So that's a big catalyst, all the sickness, right, and disparities. And so there's 
you know, there's eight percent or seven percent of the black community vegan, and only two or three percent um, in the white community. Oh wow! Or, or the, and, uh, other than black community. So that's a pretty interesting statistic. Do you see the same with yoga? No, I don't see that with yoga, but I do see that yoga is, you know, more popular than it was. And there, are, you know, there's a woman who I know who comes here and brings people, and she has huge uh, African American in all of the like gentrified neighborhoods. She built all these studios, and she has these. Um, but I think, you know, I think the black community is is uh, interested in yoga and mm -hmm. consciousness, and um, a lot of the Christian preachers very heavy into yoga or yogic science. Some of the ideas. Reverend Ike was always, if you know Reverend Ike, he's the most famous black preacher. Was always like a yogi. Talked about consciousness and God inside you rather than some foreign entity. So. Can I? I want to. This this is all really good. Well, but, but, I, but but I I don't. You said you want to talk about Dave Chappelle. No, but I want to talk. I actually have something else I want to talk about. Max I want to talk about Oprah because you said you were going to mention Oprah, but I think we've already passed that part of the conversation. Oh, Oprah. Yeah, I want to talk about Oprah. Because it's like Chicago, Michael Jordan, Oprah, Obama. You know, I gave Oprah that book, The Power of Now. Wow. Eckhart Tolle, Canadian. I gave her that book. And she said on TV that Goldie Hawn gave her the book. So every time I was on TV, or Helen Hunt or one of them. Because I, when I went to my first yoga class, there was Goldie Hawn and Helen Hunt. And uh, I'm trying to think of the other one. Uh, you know, uh, Goldie Hawn and Helen Hunt. You know, um, Meg, you know. Uh, Ryan. Ryan. And all in the class, right? So it was like a, a very Hollywood kind of class with my teacher, Steve Ross, who came here with me when I, I first came. I saw him. We chatted. That's right. Mm -hmm. So, um, and Steve gave us the book. And I gave it to Oprah. And she said that the other woman gave it to her, but I made her read the book. I'm like, you don't want the hip-hop dude to give you the book. You keep saying Goldie Hawn because that's your audience. But I gave you the book. So every time I said it, I was on her show each time promoting one of my books. So you remember when I gave you that book? And she like, uh, and then she edited it out. Right? And then finally, the last time I was on this, Success Through Stillness, um, <clears throat> she had, yeah, I remember. I said, no, I made you read it, right? I want to make it clear. The hip-hop dude, the black dude who's not your audience, hip-hop dude, gave you the book, not the blonde woman. Not that it mattered, <laughs> but it was something I kept wondering why she would cut it out. Because it's really a big part of, um, you know, it's, if you're yogis, and I sent her her first meditation teacher, I said, you know, we, we spread um, TM a lot of places. So I sent her Bob Roth, who was like the head of the you know, David Lynch Foundation. And I said, same with Ellen DeGeneres and same with, you know, a lot, a lot of people and changed that, that trajectory of the David Lynch Foundation. Anyway, I gave her her first doses of consciousness and she took Eckhart Tolle and exploded them into the market. And for me even, uh, when Steve Ross gave me the book, I had read the Yoga Sutras and the Bhagavad Gita and I understood some things. But until I read his stories uh, uh, about full consciousness, his idea of the car accident, presence, the awareness, it didn't ring a bell to me. Yoga Shita Friti Narodaha, yoga is cessation of the fluctuation of the mind. Okay, when the mind is quiet, yoga. So you meditate and then get more quiet, but total stillness, you know. Uh, that was described to me best, and my understanding of the second sutra was clearest when I read it in Eckhart Tolle's book. So it really related to that, and I really, and um, in fact, uh, Oprah, when she first put me on a show for my books I had been on before, a book was called Do You, many years ago. I read that book. 
You read that book? I read that book, and I remember a story in that book where somebody you like. I love you <coughs> in the Excuse sense me. of um, you always like call call yourself when you're called out. You called out, and somebody like saw you on the street eating pizza when you were going around saying you're a vegan, and you wrote that story in that book about how somebody called you on eating cheese. Pizza's dope as fuck, but we got great pizza at Zest here. Yeah. <laughs> no, but cash, ca- cashew nut cheese is dope. Yeah. Um, there's so many cheeses. There's so many great gourmet and other vegan cheeses today. Um, so do you. Do you? Yeah, that book. So, Oprah, yeah. I, so in that book, um, yeah, I took drugs. I took okay. drugs. It's my fault. I took you on. No, it. I took drugs. I'm bringing you back. I'm bringing you back. I took drugs as a child, and I'm slow. So sometimes I. But, uh, so do you? Um, what were they talking about? The drugs I took. What the fuck you asking? <laughs> Where, did you want to talk about the marijuana? Did you want to talk about the MDMA? Did you want to? No, no, not the drugs. We're not talking about the drugs. We're talking about something else, nigga. You just asked me. You were talking about Eckhart Tolle. Mm. And the book. Oh, Oprah read my book. It wasn't a book yet. It was a galley. Yeah. And she called me up. And in the book was a description of meeting Eckhart Tolle. Right? When I met him. And, and, uh, it was, and she had not met him yet. And in the book, I talked about how when I met him and I sat with him, he said, like, spend some time with me. I was like, yeah. So I sat with him. I thought we were going to meditate or something, but we didn't meditate. He stared at my eyes. He stared at him. He stared at me. I'm stared at him. Staring at me, I'm staring at him. He's staring at me, I'm motherfucking staring at him. We're staring at each other. And then I just smiled and, you know, I told him a story about I was describing um, presence and awareness to Puffy, mm, who Sean. came to yoga with me, Sean Combs. And I was like, you know, like a car accident. And that came out of Eckhart's book. Car accident, you know, in that shop, you're stuck on stupid, right? Because you are stuck through fear in the present moment. Right? It happens to a lot of people a lot of times. And I told him, he said, like, when I get shot at. I said, yeah, Puff. Like, when you get shot at. And then I said that to Eckhart Tolle, and he started laughing. And he didn't stop laughing. <laughs> and I got up, and I walked through Steve Ross's living room, because we were in the garage where he lived. Eckhart Tolle was living in his garage, had a little altar. It was kind of weird. And I walked out of the garage, through the house, and he's still laughing. And he says, Eckhart, back there. I said, you still back there. And I got in my car and drove off. I can still hear him laughing. So that, that's in the book. And do you? Oh, do you, you remember that? Yeah. And what's the thing with the with the pizza? Because you were telling a story about someone. He just ate some pizza. So what? Make a cheat. Ate some pizza. He, he, he was he was hanging out, yeah. Mad Hatter, crazy night out. Maybe even had a couple of vegan beers, and he was eating. Ain't no vegan beer. Maybe. I don't know. And <laughs> he was eating. He was eating Probably pizza. Had a shot or and somebody knew that he was vegan, and in like New yeah. York was like, "Yo, Russell Simmons, you're full of shit. You're eating cheese." I get that every day. I'm full of shit for many reasons. But I just remember that story. It wasn't like necessarily relevant. <laughs> it's very relevant because you know I, I uh, I'm a yogi, not a priest, and I don't you know I don't uh, I, I, I do believe. Look, here's my friend say you're not vegan because you ate a piece of fish, and you know so you're no longer vegan. So nigga, you going home to your wife, ain't you, fucker? You cheated on her. You still married. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, people are not always absolute, not all the time. And some of us yeah. make mistakes and then we rebound or reboot. So we don't have to be stuck on a, a, mm. a bad decision for the rest of our lives. Mm. So I was vegan and Amen. then I ate a piece of fish and now I'm no longer vegan. Mm. No, I still claim being vegan. Um, and I'm going to have nyak nyak within the next 10 days because I was talking about it. I got to have some nyak nyak. It's like the, the old vegan time out. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, I, I mean God's going to be like questioning me. He's going to question you niggas too. He'll be like, 
So you didn't cheat on your wife? No, sir. But you chopped up an animal and ate it. You chopped up a living being and ate it. You're like, oh, burn, bitch. God may say that. <laughs> burn, bitch. Russell, I want to talk to you about something completely different right now. I am huge into conspiracy theories. I, I was given a David Icke book when I was 24, and right away, like, the world opened up to me. I started seeing things differently. You hang out with this elite echelon of, like, the people who have what I would say a lot of prana. Not only a lot of money, but a lot of attention. Yeah. Some. There's a lot of stories about these people. Oh, God. Yogis are a problem with yogis, man. You well, talk... you're a new Buddha right now. No, but there's a problem with a Buddha and yogis, man. Some of them are even qu- uh, um, quantum. What the hell is that shit? Quantum what? You know, the, the, you know, the, the, um, you know, the crazy theories about... QAnon? Yeah, some QAnon niggas. Actually walking around Ubud. That's Ubud. just a psyop. We're not talking about that. We're talking about the Queen. We're talking... Wait a second. Obama. I didn't know the Queen. Beyonce. Obama. Beyonce. Jay-Z. Like, what's that whole thing about? Obama was the president. Uh-huh. Jay Z is a big rapper. Beyonce can sing. What the fuck are you talking about? What are you asking me? You mean after they eat kids' blood? What the fuck are you asking yes! me? Yes, you said it, not me. <laughs> Thank you. You know, um, we live in a time where social media has so much power, and um, you know they judge people. They make, you know, they people want to have answers to questions they can't answer. And, you know, we're very quick to blame each other. That's where racism is so popular. Again, in America, if you have poverty and they've enabled you to be racist, you know, um, then you can blame again. For the moment, you couldn't blame people as much, right? Less racist. But now in America, you have this rise of anti-Semitism. You know, I spent my whole life fighting anti-Semitism. This rise of racism, all kinds. And it's very scary, you know, because things spread so quickly and through such vehicles of distribution that can't be controlled. Or, and so a lot of misinformation. Um, you know, uh, the people who've been canceled, hundreds of people, friends of mine who wouldn't hurt a fly have been accused of things and or people say something and suddenly it becomes true because you're judged by Twitter. Not by a judge, but by Twitter. And, you know, it's, it's a little scary even for those who want to have political um, if I woke up tomorrow morning as a meditator and for some reason it came to me that um, people shouldn't have abortions. God whispers to me, no abortion. I'd be destroyed because my gang, the progressives, would attack me and try to just, you know, just by having an opinion. And opinions today are muffled and, uh, and people are afraid to express themselves. And the angriest mob, the loudest Small minority control the narrative on so many subjects. So a small minority of people could say that Oprah drinks the blood of kids. And then you, re- you hear it enough times, you say, maybe Oprah drinks the blood of kids. But it's, it's just, it's, it's ludicrous. Not the rapper. Mm. <laughs> From Atlanta. I mean, when you say people get canceled, what do they get canceled for? Well, you because know, being also- I have five charities. And, and, and so many people work for me. In my charities, um, I got money from corporations. Corporations are scared of scandal. So millions and millions of dollars that I raised for the Diamond Empowerment Fund, for the Rush Foundation, for the Foundation for Ethnic Understanding, for the Hip Hop Summit. For the, I raised millions and millions of dollars on my name. So when I'm scandalized, I can no longer get that money. Also, 
I led marches, hundreds of thousands of people. I, I fought the prison industrial complex. I got 10 to 15,000 black people out of jail right away. And over the years, people are not going to jail. Instead, they're going to um, rehabs, you know. So we changed the law. Mm. Prison industrial complex doesn't like that. I was the number three most hated person by the NRA at mm. one time. Um, the factory farming industry, I went up against KFC yeah. and we changed, not myself and Peter, but I caused, led the boycott. We mm. changed the way they collect the, uh, the chickens mm. to machines that are less, so they cause less suffering. So there's many places. My dear friend is Louis Farrakhan, most powerful black uh, leader for the last 50 years in America. He's hated because he tells some truth. Um, they painted him as an anti-Semite, and they painted him as anti-white. You know, uh, Elijah Muhammad was painted at, you know, who he is. You know Elijah Muhammad? You niggas don't know I Elijah know. Muhammad? No. You see the movie Malcolm X? Yes. So Elijah Muhammad from Malcolm X, the guy who um, they blamed for killing Malcolm X, of course he had nothing to do with it, uh, who took over the Nation of Islam 50 years ago and has run it till now, he called the Million Man March, a million people men. In Washington. Then he called the Million Family March, two million people. So he had that power and they hated it. And when he said about, things he said about white supremacy, when Elijah Muhammad said the white man was the devil, he said the collective energy, he said one day we'll all live in harmony, but you need to learn to love yourself before you can integrate properly. Mm -hmm. So they're not integrationists. No, they believe in segregation because they wanted black people to grow and learn to love themselves because white supremacy had done such a, yeah. a number on their psyche. So, although I'm an integrationist, that family and the Nation of Islam is my family. Mm -hmm. Louis Farrakhan is my second father. He's so hated that every black person who's ever been close to him has been destroyed. Mm -hmm. I mean, everybody. You know, uh, people who ran the NAACP, destroyed. People who ran the Urban League, destroyed. Congress people, destroyed. Um, so he is hated and marginalized. But my second father, they really mm -hmm. can't kill me for that, but I'm just giving an example. I have a few people that, um, that feel the reason to hurt me, mm. right? And I think part of, um, um, you know, the, the, the polarization in America makes that even greater. And if you partly scandalize, they'll dig deep into hurt you mm. if you have opinions and if you have influence. Mm. So in America today, people are very afraid to speak about many subjects. And, and it's interesting because I feel we have a lot of similarities in many ways. And I feel there's also, uh, we might have a different vision of the world on other topics. And it's interesting to hear that from you because I'm also quite into, uh, at least when you look at pandemic, these kind of things into looking at alternative narratives, let's say. And I know firsthand that some of the content I was putting was censored also, things that are not going in the way of pharmaceuticals. And um, so it's, it's interesting to see someone from a very different angle also um, being not so keen about that censorship and cancel culture. And if anything, you want, the most you important want, is to allow I don't know how to handle social media and people just coming up with narratives and it traveling and you can't censor it all and you can't have it free uh, because it's destroying, you know, infrastructures and important things that really, you know, there was a, a threat. And so we don't know the answer. Uh, I think Dr. Fauci's intentions are good. I don't. 
Just so you know, everybody, I don't. And I respect that you do. Just want to make no, sure I that think, like, I if I'm on camera, I don't. I took the vaccination. I'm the only one in Ubud. Well, <laughs> <laughs> you fucking hippies. None of you niggas took the vaccination. That's why I sit with your ass. Because I'm vaccinated. No, I know. But I, you, know, I took uh, the you said the word that now we might get censored. Yeah. <laughs> what, yeah. vaccination? Yeah, you I can't took say it. That. I can't say it. I took it. You can say it. Twice. You can say it on, on Just the algorithm. I'm going to be like, yeah. oh, what are they talking about? Well, you guys, it's all right if you don't take the vaccine. I, look, I don't want to talk I, I'd about, love to. I don't really want to talk about I don't want to give energy yeah. to this, but what I do want to give energy to. It's a big issue. I know. And I, don't I had Deepak Chopra, but I did. I don't do a lot of shows at all, but I did have a podcast for the fun of it to speak to people who I love. And Deepak, one of my dear friends. So I interviewed him early and he's like, the vaccine saved millions and millions of Indians. Not in particular, but in general, he says, I believe in the vaccine. Right. I mean, <clears throat> there's not that much money in vaccines. Are you on? No, 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 no. Like billions is not no, that no, much money. No, no, no. Well, no, I mean, the economies, the people who had to participate in the conspiracy you're referring to didn't make that much money. Only the pharmaceutical companies made yes. that much money. Yes. So they, the president didn't make that money, right? The, well, the, there might be no, some no, interests. No. Uh, okay. I don't believe it. So, you know, it's like, it's like Donald Trump. He was a dear friend of mine before he ran for president. Oh, well. Right? But, you know, I never thought he could run for president. I mean, our friendship ended when he ran. And I said publicly that, you know, um, I'd rather Kim Kardashian be president. <laughs> Which would be a good president. I actually thought that Kanye and Kim were going to run together. Why not? Donald Trump won. Why wouldn't that happen in your country? My country? Don't fucking make it like this. Well, no. Why, why is that not a thing? Like, why are you looking at me like what? Like... Donald Trump ran for president and won. And Joe Biden won. Right? Why wouldn't it make no, sense? No, Joe Biden's a lifetime politician, so you know he's you know part of a party and does what the party says, and he's kind of yeah. conservative. And you know, Li lifetime is the is the word. <laughs> yeah, lifetime for sure. Lifetime, lifetime politician. <laughs> he didn't really done shit his whole life, but you know he did some stuff that was really pretty against what he's promoting today. Mm. But the reality is. Um, the American system is pretty fucked up. It's all, I, I was very heavy in Occupy Wall Street. Mm. You know, I actually brought a bill to the floor to get public funding for um, politicians in Congress. Dennis Kucinich and I got him fired after 30 years. Mm. Um, so I spoke at the Black Caucus. I spoke at the cre um, uh, Creative Caucus. I spoke at the, the Democratic Caucus. I spoke at you know all of those places and promoted all you know all because of Occupy Wall Street. There was a minute where people were talking about getting politicians funded by things other than corporations, because Occupy Wall Street is simply the idea, uh, and I had to frame it because nobody seemed to want to frame it. They kept saying Occupy Wall Street today is talking about the prison industrial complex. Occupy Wall Street today, like, all right, it's the corporations control of the government. Yeah, and this is the problem that money controls our lives. Like BlackRock yeah. and Vanguard, basically. These people control through lobbies, through various different political influ influence, the politicians and their votes in Congress. Unless we see them. I agree on Even that. Even when I changed the Rockefeller drug laws, the Democrats were riding back and forth to Albany in limousines. Albany's the capital in of New York. York. Riding back and forth in limousines funded by the prison industrial complex, mm. even as they marched because Democrats were supposed to change the law. Mm. They were still very 
not so interested in really changing anything. Well, that's and when we had the whole big thing about for Occupy Wall Street and the idea that we would change the world by having the government fund those politicians who got close enough to the office and therefore taking business out of the control factor. Everyone in uh, Congress, even Nancy Pelosi, who stood next to me when I spoke, said that's important. They don't want that shit because the reason that they are lifetime in Congress, 30 years, 25 years, 25, you know, the reason they're there, because the same money that put them there the first time continues to fund them, whether it's the prison industrial complex or the, the war machines, or, you know, all the yeah. military industrial yeah. complex or pharmaceutical companies. These are the people who put them in office. And so they already have a lock on them. They don't want to have an equal playing field. So none of them really wanted to support any real change. Mm. You know, and that's, you know, that was uh, an example, Occupy Wall Street. Mm. It was a moment where people were pointing out that money controlled their lives, not uh, choices for people and politicians were controlled. There's a lot of those kind of beautiful moments that happen and then they turn into something else. I mean, we had it in Canada with the convoy that happened earlier this year when the truckers went to Ottawa because they were unhappy with the way that uh, Justin Trudeau treated Amer uh, Canadians and so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of those moments where it starts out good and then it like trails into another news story. Am I gonna sleep, man? This shit got a lot of caffeine in it. No, you probably, well, don't worry. We got an early, we got, uh, let's do a 7.30 Bikram class I'm tomorrow. not staying awake till 7.30 tomorrow, nigga. I'm just asking you how much caffeine is in this, this tea. There's. A, it, the, the good thing about tea, what we learned in tea school, is that it's complex, which means it not only has caffeine, but it has other kinds of things that will also relax you. What talking about? Nigga, am I going to sleep? I have another question for you. This question is, this is... The, uh, He's this, high on tea already. Yeah. This, look, look, yes. This question is a big question. It's like drink champs. This question but is... But it's only tea. Yes. High, high on tea. That's, That's what we're doing part. here. That's what yeah. we're doing. I have a question for Chicken you. Chicken fast and everything. This nigga's nervous and he's gonna. I'm not nervous. No one's, like, nervous I'm no one's on caffeine here. No one's nervous. <laughs> it's okay. It's all okay. So my question, because like based on this conversation we just had, but you're like deep into the hip hop world, and there have been things that I've read about um, governments and different kind of people getting together, asking for the music industry to start to direct culture by using words and even using different frequencies to take the the youth whether they be the white youth or the black youth or whatever youth and guide them in a specific direction you're specifically in that industry i've heard this many times i've heard hip-hop people talk about it is there any truth to it you know unfortunately the sad realities that we live are in our poetry are in our paintings and in our art more than they are everywhere else because it's not politically correct to say or do the things that, uh, that, that we really live with every day, that we stomach and digest and part of our culture. So when people talk about violence or talk about, you know, because rap covers all subjects from Jesus walks to, to gang, gang behavior, it's a, a truth. And, and you know, like the stuff that a comedian will say is shocking because it's what they're thinking. Artists throughout history have always expressed things that the mainstream wouldn't digest but lived with. Always. Why do you keep pouring tea on the table, nigga? It's part of the whole, it's the whole thing. I'm listening to you, though. So artists, that's their job. Their job is to express what's on our minds and what we live with so that we can maybe fix it or understand it or really, you know, it, whether it, you know, the homophobia that exists in our communities or anti-Semitism or the racism or any of that stuff. Some of that stuff comes out and you're like, wow, where'd that come from? 
It came from our culture and our reality, in some cases. You know, like you know, they're not they're not saying things no one. That's why people buy their music. The music is what's on the minds of the question, people. My question is different. My question specifically is: Is this corporate culture, the government, and maybe even the they're music industry? Rappers, no. Do they coerce musicians no. to say or uh-uh. sing about things to guide culture I, in a specific I, direction? I've, you know, I, I remember producing the South Central Cartel or being executive producer, and they had an album called "In Gats We Trust." Gats, guns, and they were gang members. I said, "Well, you got to explain what that means." I, as a person who was close to them, was able to say, explain it. So we don't trust the police. We don't trust some of the community members. We don't trust, you know, we trust our guns. And then they talked about why they don't trust the police, why they don't trust, you know. And so then it had more meaning. Mm. It already had the meaning, but they expressed more specifically what they did, why they were who they were and what they struggled with. Mm. And so then it became more healing than just mm. a description. So they talked about how they'd love to live somewhere else. They, loved, they talked about how they'd been forced into this struggle and they lived in this difficult place and, you know. And so that made In Gats We Trust, which was a gold album, a very successful album, it made it much more relevant to some. People in the hood already understood it. Mm. But those outside the hood who bought, you know, a majority of the records, really. Is Michael Jackson still alive? See, this is the crazy shit they have to... No, that nigga's gone, man. He's gone, unfortunately. Did you know Michael? I knew him. What was he like? Because he seems like the most childlike. The most of... He was very childlike and sweet. The first time I met him, he made bubbles shake my hand. The, the monkey. Yeah. Like monkey forest. Oh, why do you keep pouring the tea in the table? Because it's getting cold, and I want you to have fresh tea. Because when tea is, like, steaming hot, is like an experience. I don't want to watch shit. I'm never going to sleep. Fair enough. So, this, so let me show you. Let me show you. For tea culture all over the world, Roman's going to love this. If when you're done with your tea, you just go like this. Mm. Uh. All right. What were you asking me about? Michael Jackson is, is gone, unfortunately. One of the most talented and beautiful and sweet people. Was he murdered? Like, did, some, did the doctor. I don't, I don't believe he was murdered. You think that he just. I think that they overdosed him I watched his movie This Is It you know did you see This Is It the, the doc movie no I didn't I saw I, I might have seen it but I don't remember a detail I can't I, believe I think I saw I think I went to the screening he was so amazing like he knew he knew he was mu- amazing he knew the musical parts like of the keyboardist of the drummer of the saxophone player and can play it with his mouth better than the guys can play like he is and he was so masculine in those moments well well, you know who my, he, my <laughs> James, James Brown. James Brown. James Brown was like that. I mean, he his hero was James Brown, and James Brown was a lot like that. Mm. Also, but what else? You have any more yes, conspiracy yes, shit? Any more? No, crazy? no, no. Well, this might be conspiracy, you, and then we can we can close this episode because it's been so good. Um, we didn't talk about any of the artists you want to talk about, or any wait of the a second. things, it's, or deaf comedy, or deaf poetry, or we didn't talk about so much shit. We could keep talking. But no, I'm gonna go eat. I, I have to eat. I'm one more question. Fasting. One more. One more question. I'm gonna do a dry fast seven days next week. But that's a whole other story. One more question: Is Snoop Dogg? Did he buy land in Ubud? No, I have a house that I built on my property, my hotel. I called his son and, and maybe him. But not, we'll see. I'm going to Singapore to host a party at the end of the month nice. in a couple of weeks and. And Cordell, his son, is going to come and stay in the Snoop Dogg suite. I built that whole house. Because he was coming to my house. And I'm like, he's not going to like the other bedrooms. I have five bedrooms. They're beautiful. 
but he's not gonna like me. He's gonna wanna go to the Bulgari Hotel or some shit. And I can't have that. I built a whole house after talking to him and thinking about it and it's called the Snoop Dogg House. But it will be uh, a model, it is a model for some of the other houses I'm building next to the hotel. Okay. So the Snoop Dogg House is, is uh, my house. I just happened to name it that because it was inspired by the fact that a lot of my um, friends who um, have resources would probably want to stay in some suite the Four Seasons if I invite them to my house. They may love my house mm. and all the things around it, but they'll have my bedroom. Mm. <laughs> I built two bedrooms just like mine in the Snoop Dogg house. Neat. Awesome. You're okay. You want to go? Go ahead. Well, I'm thinking as we're approaching more the end of the episode, and you need to break your intermittent fasting soon. Um, Not break it, finished. Oh, finish I started eating at 12. Okay. And I end at six. Ah, yeah, okay, okay. 18 hours. Um, sometimes the tea, though, on top of making you uh, quite stimulated, it can also make you less hungry. Just, just. But anyway, <laughs> is, there some, is there something you really want to talk about? Is there something you like that's on your heart now? Maybe it's you a, know, a um, project you're, you're let having? Me say this. My prayer for the world and yours, probably, is that people realize that uh, it'd be a little less anxiety, that people mm. are more present, more awake, and that that becomes a pursuit. I always say if you chase anything, then ch chase self-realization, mm. or in other words, chase God's consciousness, right? I mean, the Buddhist Nirvana, the Muslims Taqwa, the Christians Christ consciousness, the, the yogis Samadhi, this idea of more seconds of presence, right? So can we teach people what's really valuable? Because what are they all chasing all these things so we can end the neediness, right? Sit in a place where there's no neediness. Mm. So I want people to have that as a mantra. Give people a path, but, but give them a result. What do you want? I'm going to be happy, right? Happiness is from presence. When you, when you resolve the neediness, right? So people have to just get these basic, simple ideas that are taught in Christianity and Buddhism and, you know, and, and they should know what the end result is. The end result is God's consciousness or self-realization. So if we can get more people, like in Ubu, this is yoga and vegan Disneyland, right? Yeah, totally. People are here all chasing the self, right? If not chasing, a, chase anything at all, it should be the self, but they're more inclined to do self-study and be more self-aware. So I'm praying that that's what, you know, this nucleus, your podcast, all the work that's being done, not only here, but in all places where people are teaching these subjects, that it just grows, that we could be part of the growth of humankind into a, into a place where we don't destroy the planet and each other. Did I? Yeah, that was fair. Yeah, yeah. I almost feel well, like taking a, a breath in silence just to anchor that in. Well, you niggas is funny. Ah. <laughs> he did this shit in class. <laughs> <laughs> you taught you did that. Everybody just go. I'm like, I'm getting the fuck out. Class is over. <laughs>
Ah. 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 Oh, me want to do ah. This man, this man is a big-hearted man. He's a humble man. I'm really, really appreciative. I know we've like had a lot of fun, and you made fun of us, and I had fun with you. But um, thank you for you being. You don't really believe that shit about the conspiracy thing. Too. I most of it I probably do. Yeah, most of it I do. But that doesn't mean that we can't be friends still. No, no, no. You can be fucking crazy. You don't have to even take a vaccine. I don't care. I still hang out with you. Yeah, <laughs> awesome. Don't forget, guys. Subscribe on YouTube. Press the notification key. Please follow us on Instagram, Spotify, Uncle Rush on Instagram, and you're opening up a new yoga studio in Ubud soon. Yeah, but not a studio. It's a place for teaching uh, teachers. Uh, is the main thing is a teacher training facility, mm. and then of course, like you said, all like I said, all the modern health technology and, and these things will be there as well. I'm looking forward. To GDAS in Ubud yeah. coming soon. I'd love to be involved. I'm waiting for the phone call. Well, you can be involved. Yeah. 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 Oh. Oh, thank you. Oh, <laughs> thank, shanti, you. Shanti. <laughs> thank you so much. Thank you so much. I just want to say thank you, Claudio. Mm. Thank you, Skip. Thank you, Jasmine. You better thank Steph. your girl. You're Jasmine. You I better did. thank Jasmine. I, I love this woman. Thank you for Jasmine. Reed. Your boy toy is 42. Thank I didn't know that. I thought he was like 28. <laughs> I thought he was like you had a. You thank know, you, February. Yeah. <laughs> awesome, everybody. Have a beautiful, beautiful whatever day, night, morning. We'll see you soon. Peace. Peace. Peace.